The clock is now running on the Playbook Podcast, the podcast where you take a deeper dive into the game of business, leadership, teamwork, character, the things that drive your motivation and build dedication. When you get a good look at the game plan of great business leaders, you start to formulate your own playbook and your own rise to the top. Make your next play your best play. And now, here are today's game captains, Glenn Amorell and Andy Phillips. Let's go! Welcome back to the next edition of the Playbook Podcast. I'm Andy Phillips, and joining me as always is Glenn Amorell. Glenn, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So we don't have to bring in a guest because it's just us. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, Glenn and myself, we've thought about this. You know, we did this the last time and got a little feedback that it was, you know, well perceived. And we thought, well, hey, occasionally it's not a bad idea to, you know, talk our own stuff out. I think it's good, healthy for us. And if people take anything out of it, then that's great as well. So uh, we figured w- with some new things happening, whether it be in the insurance world or just stuff that we've seen, we figured it was a good time to sit down and kind of hash it out. I'm wearing the the Detroit Tigers hat, repping the state of Michigan, and unfortunately, opening day is nowhere in sight. So uh, that's about all I'll say about that, Glenn. You're all purple, huh? Purple? <laughs> it looks purple from here. No, 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 no. The Tigers, that's navy blue, my friend. Navy blue, man. We got to work on our colors on this, on the video. <laughs> I so, think it's, yeah, it's great to talk to you. Uh, talk to an emerging leader. Oh yeah, so we'll get into Fresh that a little Las bit. Vegas, right? That's right. Yeah, so we'll get into that here a little bit. Um, <laughs> but first off, I wanted to ask you something because I think it's something that's very relevant today. We've seen a lot of um, things come out of the pandemic, and I think one of those is costs of things, mm-hmm. and that specifically, you know, lumber or anything really talk a little bit about what you're seeing and maybe the questions you're asking your clients or even asking a prospect, what are you seeing in terms of say replacement cost and how that's affecting that? Well, you know, I, I think it's uh, with everything going on with, like you said, the lumber, the labor, uh, fuel costs, everything going up. Well, that, that affects, um, like replacement costs on your buildings. So uh, I think it's really important that what we do as uh, risk managers is to make sure that um, that our customers uh, have the right coverage. I mean, you're looking, um, I mean, the increases have been rather tremendous and we found a lot of, uh, you know, people are, are undercovered, which could uh, potentially lead to co-insurance penalties. So our job is to be forward-looking and, uh, you know, mitigate future losses and, um, you know, help our, our customers stay profitable. Yeah. And in property and valuations of a property have always kind of been the most, one of the more, at least in my time, feels like the most unknown thing on a policy. Um, because as an advisor, we can't tell somebody what their building is worth necessarily. Right. We can't always, we're not always we're not going to go out and pay for the, you know, the correct replacement cost estimator per se. You know, we have things and systems we can use to kind of get an estimate of it, but there's no guarantees that's correct. But at the end of the day, it's up to us to make sure whatever they believe their billion should be bad at, make sure it's not egregious, Mm -hmm. but it's also up to us to, if we think it's wrong, bring it up, talk to them. And specifically now, you know, what you're building you know, cost to replace five years ago is not going to be the case today. And that's, 
you know, not just normal inflation. That's also the COVID inflation. Right, yeah, because well. a lot of the policies have their uh, their small bumps. Yep. You know, so it, it's really, really important to at least uh, knowledge is half the battle. If, you know, if business owners and building owners understand what the replacement costs, what the ramifications are, if there is a loss. Yep. Once you, uh, you lay that out, sometimes, you know, it's they definitely understand it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And again, like, and we have a lot of savvy customers that certainly yes. understand that right out of the gate, but for sure. Um, you know, sometimes you get people, it's like, well, I only paid this for it. Well, those are two different things, uh, yep. you know, market value, especially now where, you know, the, who knows where the market values are, you know? So it, it's yeah. replacement costs and that's, you know, got to be the right mindset when you're looking at that. Yep. No, I completely agree with you. Completely agree. And it's definitely a topic that we, it should be brought up. And then again, you just go from there. But like you said, we do a great customer. So a lot of them are just as on top of it as we are. Yeah, right. And, you know, as, as advisors, we got to look ahead and see where things are. I mean, we can't look behind, That's um, right. you know, unless it's to analyze going forward. And, you know, so right now, I think, um, I think we went through a few years where everything was kind of, you know, not, there wasn't a lot of change, but now we got a lot of um, disruptors in the industry. Um, you know, sadly, uh, you know, we have a devastating, you know, conflict going on in the world, yep. which also has effects back home. That's right. You know, and one of the areas, you know, from the pandemic, from all these things that have gone on, have you seen um, much in the way of changes in the uh, cyber realm? Well, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, even like the littlest thing of, I mean, my, my mom texted me, I believe it was last week and said, Hey, just FYI that, you know, Russia is threatening cyber attacks on the United States, you know, be secure, you know, maybe with your money, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, it's affecting the littlest things like that. And that's on top of before all this, we've seen it in our industry that I tell people all the time when I started in this industry four years ago, not four, three and a half years ago. Cyber was the throw-in thing on the policy. It was like you get your throw-in crime, you get your throw-in cyber, you reference it, everyone moves on with their life. Um, occasionally, we would really like emphasize like, hey, based on your risk and what you're doing day-to-day, you might want to look into um, taking out a separate cyber policy. Now, that should be brought up with every single customer. Every single customer. And I think it was really eye-opening to me. We were talking to a carrier that, uh, Glenn, before Christmas time, we were talking to a carrier that specifically deals with cyber. And it'll it'll, it'll, it'll always stand out to me. Uh, One of the gentlemen said, whatever's on the throw-in, you might as well throw out because it very likely will never cover any actual cyber scenario. Right. Which is crazy. I mean, again, it really was, you know, like it was just frosting on a cake. It was just the frosting without the cake. It was, it looked pretty, but it didn't have the substance of what a company really needs. And like I said, a lot of people aren't going to think they need cyber until something cyber related happens. Unfortunately, it's not like one of those insurances that you're required to have. It's not like you open up, you have more, you have, you have an employee, you have to have workers' compensation in the state of Pennsylvania. It's not like that. It's not like owning or owning an operating company and, you know, needing general liability. Mm-hmm. Cyber still, I mean, occasionally it's different, but cyber is still 
in, in most cases, optional. And until you see it affect you personally or someone very close to you, it's hard to tell someone you really need it. So I think the best way, and I'm going to kick this over to you. I think the best way is to simply start with a cyber evaluation to see where right. your company is most at risk, because then it might give you an idea of, wow, never thought of that. Tell me more. And because ultimately we're just, we're not trying to, when we bring up cyber, it's not us trying to sell you an extra policy and make our money. It's us trying to protect you and your future. Because whenever we start working with a client, we pre-qualify everything. We build relationships. Our goal isn't to get a client for one year, one policy term. Our goal is to have the client for the remainder of their business or until we retire. But to do so, that means we have to look out for their long-term future. And that's what the cyber policy is. And that's why we bring up cyber because we want the long-term future with you. And we want to see you succeed. We don't want the one thing to happen, which could be a cyber-related uh, claim, and you don't have the insurance for it, and it ruins your entire company. So when we bring it up, it's not like it's fun. Hey, let's see if we can squeeze out some extra commission. It's not that at all. It's truly to protect your business. So to start with the cyber evaluations that I know you have great connections for, that's where you should at least start to show yourself where you're most at risk. Yeah, I mean, uh, a cyber assessment is is so important to the process because you know, when when cyber standalone cyber liability policies started to come on the scene, um, most people just get a cyber policy, but you're really not doing the risk management by just buying a policy. Exactly. You, know, you got to see where, you know, where your vulnerabilities are, um, you know, to make sure that you're not just putting a, a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. Now, as you know, as, as some of our um, policies have renewed, there's been a lot of uh, new requirements, you know multi-factor authentications, things coming down the pike that really have, um, you know, the carriers are making sure everything is tightened up. So I think the first step, you know, anybody listening out there is to, is to get a cyber assessment and you could always reach out to us because we've got people that can, can have you take a look at it and then you can decide exactly. if you want to dig further and, and really protect yourself because I mean, with the phishing attempts and, ransomware. I, I just was talking to um, a gentleman a couple of weeks ago that his company acquired another dealership, a large dealership, because they were hacked and they just threw in the towel. After six months, they're done. I mean, it's, it's, that, it's that crucial. So, I right. mean, a lot of what we do really is, is you know, three, three levels of it really is you want to look at you know, mitigating risk. And then you, you want the risk transfer, the insurance product, but, and then, then you end it out. You want to make sure that you can, when the claims come down the pike, that you're prepared to manage those claims. Exactly. Whether it's with cyber, you need to have, you know, cyber forensics and, you know, work comp claims management. So these are, are things that really, you know, you, when you really look at what we do, it's not, um, just selling insurance. It doesn't even, I don't even like to say it. No, no. We're so, risk advisors is the, would be the proper term. And what we're, is what we're supposed to do <laughs> is what somebody in our role is supposed to do. You're supposed to advise people how to best manage their risk. And well, to do so, you have to form and sell a policy. Absolutely. But that's all part of the process. Well, you know what we have to do as well, Andy, what's that? Is we have to give, um, insurance people, risk managers, a good name. That's right. Right. That's right. You know, it's not a commodity. And if we nope. go out there and somebody says, I just want your best price, 
and we do it, then we're part of the problem. Yeah. And and and, so- and, and, and what Glenn means is trust us, we're going to give you our best price we can give you, but it's not going to be a number. And we tell, I joke with people all the time, I can get you whatever price you want. It doesn't mean you're going to have the coverage you need. Mm-hmm. There is a difference. Right. If you tell somebody, hey, I really want this year, you know, it has to come in under a hundred thousand or I can't go with you. Well, guess what? There's a lot of agents that are going to make sure that thing comes in at 99.9. You know what I mean? But right. what you don't realize is what was taken off or your deductible was raised to a point that your threshold really can't handle. And there's little things that, you know, maybe the cyber this year, eh, we took that off or we lowered that. And there's little things you can do to always make a premium go down. But at the end of the day, you need to make sure you're covered and we need to decide what your limit should be, what your coverage should be. And then at that point is when we always will get, make sure we get you the best price we possibly can. That's yeah, we try to get you the best price, but we're also trying to get your best price in 23, 24, 25. Exactly. exactly. That's, that's our job. And that's, you know, really, you know, the hardest thing I and, think in the bag because, if we do our job, we're going to lower your cost and yep. make you more profitable. So exactly. you know, we got to look at our job as protecting a profit margin. I mean, that's yep. why, and your, your, your biggest investment. And again, and we also, we, we believe in, you know, carriers believe in this and we believe in it too, that having some sustainability between a, a, a you and your carrier is a good thing as well. Um, you don't always want to be hopping, hopping around the marketplace to save a percent every year. You want to be able to show some good faith because it actually makes you more attractive in the marketplace when you need it during the times when you believe you need to shop. And that's why, you know, if it's egregious or we think it's not competitive, we always do our due diligence to make sure to shop it. But at the same time, if we're giving our best advice, we're, it's always nice to tell a client, Hey, if, if pricing is good where you're at, you might not want to go into the marketplace for, you know, three, four years, just because you never want to be the person that cries wolf. And now you get a reputation in the market that, Oh, here's, you know, this company again, they come out every year. They always stay the stay where they're at. And then no one gives you the, the good run that you deserve as a company. If you're a good company and you need it, you don't want to be the, you know, was it the, the boy cried wolf? You don't want to be that right, in the marketplace right. either. So uh, like Glenn said, it's not always about price. It's about a lot of other things. And uh, some things that we do with the claims management, with our resources, that is how you can affect your price and how you can control it. I, I always tell people there's, with workers' compensation, there's really, there's really three real things that affect the price. Really three, outside of like your payroll. But at, you know, there's always the rate for your class code. There's always the LCM, the loss cost multiplier, which the carrier has, and then there's your experience mod. Of those three, the one that you as a company can control the most is your experience mod, and that's where our resources come in handy. Yeah, I mean, and then we can get a lower carrier rate if you, you know, so. Exactly. It, just, it goes hand it really in hand. It makes a monster difference. You know, you start to have a lot of claims activity. Not only does your mod go up, but then you go into a, a higher rated um, carrier. Exactly. So, so it's, you know, that's. It's so key to protect your, um, you know, your experience mod and, and to mitigate risk and have a safety program and do all those things. And, and that, that's what we do. That's what we do. Well, then what we're going to do next is we're going to kick it in the halftime. And as everyone who's listened to our show knows, our halftime is fun. It takes out business. It takes out, you know, all those types of scenarios for the most part. And we just have fun with it. 
Uh, we like to find out movies, songs, TV shows, you know, a scenario if you saw your a bear in your backyard, all little things like that. So what Glenn and myself are going to do are we're going to go every other question towards each other. So we have, we each get asked and answered five questions to get to our 10 before we get to the second half. So I'm going to give you a little time to think there, Glenn. All right. If you could be one animal in your next life, if you had a next life, if you had to come back as an animal, (laughs) what would you want to be? And why? Don't just pick something. I need reason. Um, I'll say I'd come back with the, come back as an Eagle. Okay. Well, I like it and I can think of some reasons. What are your reasons? Yeah. So, you know, I can soar above everything and, and see the beauty that nature has to offer. And meanwhile, everyone on the ground is doing the same thing at you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the they're rare. like, hey, look, there's Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Glenn just flew into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bald headed Glenn up there. <laughs> All, All right. right. So now we got that silliness out of the way. Yeah. Um, I got a question. You you um, play a little football and you've seen a lot of contracts. So Patrick Mahomes, some of these monster contracts, when you sign a contract of that size, what would you do with your first check? So when I signed my contract, I didn't do anything with my money because I had to make it to a certain date to capitalize on that. And I was cut two days before that happened. So I didn't get the, I didn't get the seven figure uh, contract that I signed, but if I signed one of their contract was the first thing I do, you say, yes. Um, see, first thing's tough because the first thing I would probably do is pay off any of, you know, my parents, my wife's parents, any, anything they had left to be paid on pay it off so that's probably the first thing but that's not a fun answer so if i'm, I'm gonna if i'm gonna get fun now i would uh one big thing that i would do was i would probably build my dream house on a lake in michigan hmm. back home i would I'd, I'd do some a lot of searching but i would make sure to get a nice big hunk of land and whether that means buying three houses right next door and tearing them down to build my one or whatever that may be. But you know, my grandparents, you know, my entire life in Michigan, my grandparents always had a lake house, whether it was a cottage or until they sold their house down in down South uh, in Lansing or Grand Ledge and uh, moved to Lake permanently. I always had a lake house in the summers to go to. And in the winters, I actually loved it as well. It was always cool seeing the, the ice over Lake around Christmas time. So that's, That'd be like the big thing I would do if I got that kind of money. Then you st- stroll around in the snow in your t-shirt, right? That's right. T-shirt, shorts, some flip-flops, <laughs> maybe some sunscreen. We'll see. But yeah. All right. Uh, Glenn, if you could better alive, be front row to see any concert, who would it be? Dead or alive in their prime. So let's prime? So if you're picking, say, Guns N' Roses, you get them in, in their heyday in the 80s. You don't. It's not today. So you get dead or alive in their yeah. prime. Who would you see? Front Stevie row. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, what's he sing? Uh, he's uh, blues. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Look at you. You, you got to listen, listen to, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan. You can hear somebody else play his music, like his brother, Jimmy Vaughn, um, from the fabulous Thunderbirds. But there's just something that just like, it's God sent. It's, Love it. it's like amazing, you know? Um, what a name too what a name 
What a name. That's a fantastic name. I know, right? You're yeah. a Stevie Ray Vaughan. You're either a rock star or a serial killer, right? Exactly. Like, no offense to us, but you're not an insurance. You're, you're not working in insurance with a name like that. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, that, w- that would be great. You know, sadly, he uh, died in a helicopter uh, accident. Oof. Leaving a blues festival. Huh. So um, I guess uh, my question, and, and we always um, kind of go back to um, if you had, if you were on death row for a crime that you didn't commit. I appreciate that. All right. So we always ask, um, what would you eat? And, um, you know, that's pretty easy. But you have one last sentence to say to everybody out there. <laughs> Do you say, hey, I'm innocent? <laughs> or do you say I, I, something I, profound <laughs> i think I, you gotta go profound right like you can't say you're innocent and then 10 seconds later you're cooked like you might as well say something now here's the problem though does the general public who i'm talking to do they all assume i'm guilty or is it known around the world that this guy was wrongly convicted because that would also depend what you say mm-hmm. i think you got to have some awareness that you can't say something really profound if 90 percent of the world thinks you just did something that deserved the death sentence right well as, as we talk about everything we do sometimes perception is everything yeah so exactly you know, so that would depend what i would say innocent, but nobody else knows so you got to deal with the perception uh, but as a good person you're probably going to say something deep to be honest with you i probably would just i don't know that that is horrible like the thing i'm thinking is i would probably just tell my family i love them yeah but i probably already did that if they came and saw me right before so if i'm on national tv and they stick a microphone like this in my face i probably just say godspeed well, you, what you're supposed to say make sure you listen to the playbook podcast with Andy glenn. well going forward with glenn yeah. all right <laughs> all right so you're an avid Philadelphia sports fan. All right. This could be tough. Okay. I'm not going to ask you uh, like your favorite player. I'm not going to go there. I want to know your favorite sports moment in Philadelphia history, but I'm going to exclude the Super Bowl they just won because I'm sick of hearing about that. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a little bit older, so it would have to be. Um... The uh, World Series in 1980. Okay, that takes it back. So that was a good time. You know, so sometimes when you're when you're young, that just really sticks with you as a profound moment. I mean, 2008 was was amazing. But young, no, I'm I'm with you. When you're younger, it just it it some you're more invested maybe, or you like you don't know the the downsides as much or something. Because I remember like. For me, I mean, we didn't have a lot, but in, for a Detroit sports fan, but when the Pistons won the championship in 04, that was just, I remember how like cool it was. I mean, we had Michael Jack Schmidt, Pete Rose, um, Carlton, Steve Carlton. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we had a host of uh, great players back there. Back That's then. a good one. Greg Luzinski. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. You That's still good- see him down at the uh, Citizens Bank Park. Okay. He has Bulls barbecue. Very nice. I like barbecue. Yes. Uh, I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good question, right? That's a good question. Where's your favorite barbecue? Is it, you know, like I have an answer. My, barbecue or is it a Texas barbecue? My well, my favorite barbecue place is called Meat. It is a restaurant in Old Town, Lansing, Michigan, where I'm from. It is fantastic. It is yeah. 
It was on diners, drivers, and dives. Mm, um, love it. It is incredible. They have the, in my opinion, they're the best wings on the planet. And what they do is just more like a charred like seasoning. Like they don't actually sauce them up. You have all the sauce at your at your table. <laughs> they have this sandwich. I forgot what it was called, but no lie, it's probably a foot tall. Mm-hmm. It has anything your mother meat related you can think of on it, and it is <laughs> smothered in bacon gravy. Oh boy, it is incredible, incredible. So, anyways, to answer your question, I'm gonna give a shout out to Meat Barbecue right. Joint in uh, Old Town, Lansing, Michigan. Yes, and and that's not a sponsor. <laughs> no, I wish it was. <laughs> if you want to be now, I'm here. All right, uh, Glenn. You're you look. Speaking of food and meat, you love a good steak. What is your favorite cut? Um, I go back and forth. I love a ribeye. Um, you know, like I love one of those bone-in ribeyes. Agreed. Tomahawks. Agreed. They're they're great because when you get that bone on there, that really gets that that flavor in there. Yep. And the best part about a good ribeye is even the fat is like melting your mouth. You know, and that's where all the flavor is. You get the right temperature and the right flame on that sucker. That's amazing. How do you cook? How do you like it cooked? Medium. All right. What about you? Yeah, medium rare. Okay. I'm not there yet, but I've had some mediums that were basically medium rare. I brought my wife from medium well to medium. So it's like a battle. I'm like, you can't do that too. I'm not going to lie. If it's a place I don't really trust, I'm probably not ordering a steak. But if I am, Maybe I'd go. I know some restaurants do medium plus, so I, I'd think about medium plus. But no, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm. You know a, what? I don't. You know, I don't want to mention <laughs> mention any names of uh, any places. But uh, you order steak where they do steak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they're known for it. Agreed. That's you know, it's like I've tried to go places, and it's like, yeah, the, you know. Agreed. Like the loaf. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. All right. Uh, I'm going to, this is my last question. Then you have one more. So my last question, put you on the spot. I'm ready. Here we go. I like this. So I've done the, I think we've done the question before where if someone could play you in a movie, who would it be? But I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. If you could dive into being an actor and you could replace anybody in the starring role of a movie, which one would you want? Which one would you want to star Glenn Amarell? Which one you'd have the most fun doing? You think deep down you could have pulled it off. I'm, I'm going to reach back to an old commercial that I did for a, a company that I used to work for called Quality Degree. Um, David Hasselhoff. <laughs> I'd love to dig up that old commercial because I had my uh, my little nephew on there. And, um, you know, we had a little tagline at the end. It's like, what is your uh, what's your Uncle Glenn always saying? And then he goes that uh, David Hasselhoff has the best job ever or something. So that's what you're going with, huh? You're replacing, you're replacing uh, the Hoff in Baywatch. No, you know, that, that's just uh, I jest, but you I'd know, love to I, see that commercial. Definitely like a, you know, a De Niro or something like that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like you know, to me- play some really deep characters and, you yep. know, like, I, but I also think you have to almost fit who you are though. Like, for me, like I couldn't be Michael Corleone, like a guy who like looks like me, acts like me. I couldn't, I couldn't be Michael Corleone in The Godfather. I'd almost have to be like John Candy in The Great Outdoors. <laughs> like that's where I think I, I think that's more my realm. Yeah, you know, you know, with De Niro, you ought to check out Cape Fear sometime. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. De Niro movies. I haven't seen that one, so I'll have to check it out. 
That's you got one more question at halftime, and then we got to get to the other side of this. All right. Who would be your ideal guest on the podcast? Oh. <laughs> Just out of respect for everyone we've already had on. Yes. I'm, I can't yes. name I mean, any of going them. Forward, you know, I can't again, name any like of them. Everything we do, we plan and going forward because we've had amazing guests in, in the past. So if I could have one person on that really embodies what we do. So business and leadership, mm-hmm. you know, it would actually be Lansing, Michigan's finest magic Johnson. Cause Ooh. he, the majority of his money in he's made off the court. So I think I'd like to have, he's a big personality known for being one of the greatest leaders in sports history. Um, I think I'd like to get, get the Irvin magic Johnson on. Yeah. I mean, and he's a tremendous business person for sure. Exactly. I mean, amazing. And, I mean, with the, I mean, I don't know how his movie theaters are doing, but, uh, you know, that I, took a hit in the last couple of years, but I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying he would be like, you know, there's always a question in your dream foursome and in, in golf, who would it be like you and three other people? Who would you want? Like that one, I'd probably like, but like this one, like I'm talking about who are podcast. We're looking for people who are great with business, great with leadership. Mm-hmm. Magic was great with his, you know, on court business, but he's been great with his off court business. And, uh, one of the best leaders in sports and Lansing, Michigan native, just like myself. Yeah. And I'll, I'll you know, if you're going that direction, I would have uh, Julius Irving. Dr. That's a good one. Yeah. He's, he's a great, I've run into him. He's a great guy. I, I will say another dream guest, just more so from a guy who I think we would just love having on would be Gary V. I think Gary V. Would oh just, yeah. Right. I mean, oof. all right, let's get into the second half. I think we got about time for one more question from each of us all right. um, before we wrap this up. That was fun. All right. I want to talk to you real quick about you have had a very um, you I don't want to say the word sell, but you go about prospecting, say, in a different way than I do. You really you're really, really involved in your community. You're really involved with things. So I simply want to just give you the time to whether it's shouting out, maybe just talk about the chamber you're heavily involved, the rotary you're heavily involved mm-hmm. with, and just um, talk about what they've done for you personally and professionally. I mean, you know, being involved in uh, the mainline chamber in southeastern Pennsylvania for anybody that's uh, not in the area has been tremendous. Um, you know, it's a, it's a way that, you know, when I started with the agency, I got to know people in this area and the key was just going. I mean, the, there's no secret sauce. It's just being there. And, you know, so I'd go to these meetings and I get to know people. And now, you know, I, I, I sometimes I'm a little bit more choosy with the meetings I go to, but I always know people. So I've given back and I've become a, an ambassador for the mainline chamber. Um, so that's, you know, I get to reach out to people and make sure they're getting the most out of their chamber membership. So it, it's been great. It's a, it's a great chamber. And I, and I know you're a member up there in the uh, uh, Greater Lehigh Valley Chamber. So uh, the Rotary, I mean, I've got the most amazing Rotary ever, right? And uh, just a shout out to you. You came down and presented to our road, Rotary on, on the topic of pivoting, you know, your yep. public speaking, and which was amazing. It was the first time well, we you. did it. And it truly was thank like, you. wow. You know, that, well, I appreciate the opportunity. That was a good showing. So you know, I, I just try to, to get out there and, you know, and I've been fortunate just to to meet some people that, you know, just have such a circle of influence that, you know, has really helped me out. I mean, yeah. again, 
sometimes it's just being there, being in the right place, right time. So, um, you know, I've been been very fortunate. No, you have great people. And like I said, yeah, your rotary is uh, fantastic. It, mm-hmm. it was an honor for me to be out down there, be able to speak to everyone. But they're just – it's such a quality group of humans, I think is the yeah. best way to describe it. And since I brought you in, now I'm in charge of uh, bringing other people to speak to our rotary. And it's it's been great. So I get to meet other people. So Perfect. That's fantastic. Awesome. I'm so, sure we'll get some of them on our podcast in the future. Yes. So now my question for you is um, several weeks ago, you were out in Las Vegas at Keystone's Emerging Leaders. Um, you had a great time. You got yep. to be on um, on the pod, um, the uh, what is it? The Power, Power Producers podcast. with David Carruthers. Yep. Yes. With David Carruthers. Thank you. Um, and that was amazing. So if anybody should check that out as well. So um you know, what did you come back with? I know you had a great time. You're super excited. And, you know, I mean, you definitely got your money's worth out of that. Yeah. And I, I really took it all in. I, you know, I is one of the keynote speakers made, had a, made a joke and I, I don't remember if it was Alan or David, so I'm not going to pin it on either one, but they made a joke that kind of like most people go to these conferences, they take a couple things away. They mm-hmm. go back to their offices and it is game changing. This is what we're going to do this, that, and the other two to three weeks later, you're back to what you normally do. Mm-hmm. It's very common. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to soak it all in, ask as many questions as I could, take as many notes as I could, and truly bring it back to our office and really whether it be for a group thing or whether it just be for me personally. So with that, I want to shout out three people. Uh, number one, David Crothers, who is he, awesome. He's, uh, you he's know, the head of, we've had him on the show, obviously. Mm-hmm head of Florida risk partners down there in the Tampa area. He was a keynote speaker. I took a lot away from his keynote. They he's very, his, his agency has things very unique um, with marketing specifically. And I, there's a few things I'm not getting the detail to bore everyone, but there's a few things I took away from his, from a risk standpoint that, you know, when you're going out to meet with the prospect, certain things to uh, bring to the table that I took from him. Another one I want to shout out is uh, Alan Stein Jr. He was the first keynote speaker. And uh, since I've actually exchanged emails with Alan, and uh, he's actually helped me on uh, some public speaking stuff, get me set up. But the thing I took away from him, and if you've never heard Alan, he's written multiple books and um, unbelievable speaker. He's He trained NBA-level players like Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant, Steph Curry, guys like that for, for years. He's been involved in uh, training. Now he does public speaking and writing full-time. My favorite thing that he said was accountability ah, right i is was a, waiting for it I accountability love it. is a gift i found that yes fascinating because a lot of times when you're held accountable it's a natural reaction as a human to kind of be down about it why are they on me why this it's a natural reaction you know to feel bad for yourself in a sense but accountability when it's truly given out is actually a gift because it makes you better. So I, th- I thought that was great. And Alan's a fantastic speaker. And then the third person is actually uh, Eric Rich, who we're going to have on the show here uh, in a little over a month. And nice. Eric, ooh, I'm not going to get too much into Eric. We'll talk more to Eric. I don't want to, you know, blow the cover on that episode, but he's phenomenal. And he was very helpful with me specifically uh, with some prospecting stuff. So I shout out those three and I've implemented, uh, Eric's thing immediately, which he, which he helped me with, uh, implementing some of the David Crowther stuff, which me and you were both kind of going back with David and implementing some of that. And then Alan's already been helpful. So I made a yeah, point to, it's kind of like, the most you of my know, journey. 
what uh, we, you know, we want to accomplish with the podcast is, you know, somebody take a, you know, play away and put it in their playbook. Um, I went to an HVAC conference and uh, one of the things that they said was um, make sure you do your R and D repeat and duplicate, you know? So, you know, meeting these amazing people, you know, you just have to repeat and duplicate and they're so willing to share. And, you know, so that we hope along the way we share something that, that really, you know, people that listen take away, right? And, and that's, I think, the key, too, is these people that are so successful. So, for example, when you're the keynote speaker in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people, when you're the keynote speaker for an hour, you're the most important person in that room, technically. So you naturally put these people like, listen, you're listening to them. You're looking up at them. <laughs> they're on the stage. They're higher than you. They're telling you their words of wisdom. You're they're, But they're just like you. And they're most they're the most willing to help people there is. Mm-hmm. Because this is what I've noticed, especially when you're talking about keynote people. You want to get in the keynote business. It's not a business, but per se, the bi- keynote business. If you weren't willing to help because your message should be to help. So when right. people have follow ups. And part of the reason I originally emailed Alan was because he told everyone at his conference, he goes, one of his things was, he goes, I make sure to answer every text or every email I get within like 24, 48 hours. There's, Cause there's no reason I should not be able to do that. I, you have the time to do those little things. So I thought to myself, I'm like, I'm going to email him. I bet he responds. Cause he did not seem like a BSer. He sounded like a guy that practices what he preaches. And I emailed him during the day. And I got the response during that same day in with help, with information, not just a thanks for listening. It was unsolicited information. It's and, kind of like all those guys that you mentioned, they get back to you. We had, you know, a, a little something that we wanted some clarification on a little help and boom, David got back to yep. you. It's within the hour. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's really, it's these, these people are incredible. And again, that's just like us We're we try and, replicate them as much as we can because if we if there's anything people think we do well which hopefully there is at some point but if you don't you don't it's you know we take no offense but if there's something you think we said that you want to learn more on if there's something you think we do that you want to learn more on we're more than happy to help because the people who we've reached out for and i just mentioned three that really right. helped me in the last you know month it's the right thing to do. So, but that is all the time we have. So I'm going to let you take this from here. Shout out to uh, Eric, David and Alan and everyone else that we've mentioned on the show. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And uh, you know, anybody listening, if they have any suggestions of anybody that would like to be a guest on the show, reach out, interact with us. We'd love to love to hear from you. Um, until next time, uh, my name's Glenn Amarell. Mandy Phillips. And uh, until next time, what's in your playbook?